Okay, I, why don't we just stand for the reading of God's Word? We are in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone else need a Bible? There you go. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Then he, Jesus, lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast your name um, out as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Let's pray. Father, we just need you this morning to open up your word and speak to us and show us, Lord. Explain to us, open up to us, just what are the meanings of these strange words, these words that they look so strange and they hear so strange to us, Lord. We know, we came here this morning knowing that, Lord, you will speak truth to us. And we believe in that this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So, when is the last time that you heard a message like this? Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and revile you. Verse 24, but woe. You see the word woe. Just think of a real ugly scene and people going, woe. Big trouble. Woe. To you who are rich, for you have received your consolation, meaning your reward. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you. Not the typical sermon you'd hear just turning on a Christian radio, United States of America. 
turning on TV, listen to a TV preacher. This is not the kind of sermon that you usually hear. And what I find is really interesting, anyone remember what Jesus did the night before he gave this message? Anyone remember? He prayed all night. He prayed all night. And this is what he came up with. You know, I love to listen to a man or woman, a man or woman of God who's, who's in prayer and they teach the Word of God when they've been bathing some, themselves in prayer, hearing them speak about the things of God. I pay a lot of, a clo- a lot of attention to, uh, to people like that. But if I pay a close attention to them, surely I should pay attention to what Jesus says after he's been, he's been in prayer all night. Just pause and think. He gave this message after being completely, utterly bathed in prayer. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are you who hunger. Blessed are you who weep. What is he doing here? What is Jesus doing? It's actually pretty clear. He's turning your whole American value system on its head. That's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, okay, churches in the United States of America, you have brought into my church all kinds of values, like you need to be financially well-off to be happy, all kinds of priorities, like you need nice homes, nice cars, the best schools, the best vacations, all kinds of ideas, like bigger is better, and more and more and more is more respectable, and you've taken your values, your priorities, your ideas, and you've brought them into my church. You have brought them alongside into your churches in the worship of me. You've intertwined your values, your ideas with the truth, my truth, and you've made your own religion. That's what he's doing here. It's actually really clear. It's almost comical listening to some pastors try to explain away these words. These words actually mean what they say. Blessed are you, poor. In his book, Radical, Radical, Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream. Get it in the bookstore? David Platt says this, we are redefining Christianity in America. We are giving in to the dangerous temptation to take the Jesus of the Bible and twist him into a version of Jesus that we're more comfortable with, a nice, middle-class American Jesus, a Jesus who does not mind materialism and who would never call us to give away everything we have, a Jesus who would not expect us to forsake our closest relationships so that he receives all our affection. A Jesus who is fine with nominal devotion that does not infringe on our comforts because, after all, 
He loves us just the way we are. A Jesus who wants us to be balanced, who wants us to avoid dangerous extremes, and who, for that matter, wants us to avoid danger altogether. A Jesus who brings us comfort and prosperity as we live out our Christian spin on the American dream. But do you and I realize what we are doing at this point? We are molding Jesus into our own image. He is beginning to look a lot like us because, after all, that is whom we are most comfortable with. And the danger now is that when we gather in our church buildings to sing and lift up our hands in worship, we may not actually be worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. Instead, we may be worshiping ourselves. You know, from time to time, I hear someone use this expression. They're talking about a particular subject, and they say, well, you know, my Jesus, he's not like that. My Jesus wouldn't do that. A few days ago, a young lady said to my wife, Steffi, and I, just that. My Jesus wouldn't do that. And I had to... I took her actually through the Bible. I said, wait a second. And, and I took her through the Bible and showed her that, in fact, Jesus did do the very thing she said Jesus never did. And actually, she was very much appreciated and was grateful for the correction. My question for you, is your Jesus the Jesus of the Bible? Now, Really? Is your Jesus the Jesus of the Bible? Anybody ever heard of Veggie Tales? <laughs> Most everybody? Veggie Tales was, and I, I guess still is, it's a, a popular series of Christian cartoons, cartoons starring people like, you know, Bob the Tomato, Larry the Cucumber, Junior Asparagus, these guys, and... There um, is an absolutely fantastic article about, in World Magazine about the creator of VeggieTales. Phenomenal article. They, uh, they interviewed the, the creator of VeggieTales, a, a guy by the name of Phil Vischer. And I so appreciated his honesty and transparency just before the whole world just gets all honest. And he talked about how VeggieTales, you know, when it was started, and then it got wildly popular in the United States, and it got so popular so fast, he got this crazy idea that he must be God's gift to the Christian world. And so he wanted just to, uh, surely God wanted uh, him to make VeggieTales into the sort of worldwide Christian empire of cartoons, sort of a Disney World sort of deal, and, and what he did, and just merging with companies and bringing in marketing folks and, and just turning into, into this big corporate thing, and, and, uh, and, and eventually the whole thing went bankrupt. And so many words, he said, it was the best thing that ever happened to him. And he wound up at the bottom of the barrel and really able to seek the Lord, and he decided to start a new company. He named his new company Jellyfish Labs. Anyway, here's a quote from this interview. This is Phil Vischer. I had been acting like a big barracuda. 
when in reality, I'm a brainless, spineless bag of goo. Like a jellyfish, I now realize I only get my form when I stay in the current of God's will and allow him to carry me where he wants me to be. And that was such a huge shift for me from the American Christian ideal. In this country, we're drinking a cocktail. You know what a cocktail is, a little whiskey, a little tomato juice, a little Tabasco, whatever. In this country, we're drinking a cocktail, and that's a mix of the Protestant work ethic, the American dream, and the gospel, and we've intertwined them so completely that we can't tell them apart anymore. Our gospel has become a gospel of following your dreams and being good so God will make your dreams come true. It's the Oprah God. So I had to peel that apart. I realized I'm not supposed to be pursuing impact. I'm supposed to be pursuing God. And when I pursue God, I will have exactly as much impact as he wants me to have. Phil Vischer, creator of VeggieTales. Now, I'm not sure where he spent his time in the Bible after his company went bankrupt, but it just as well might have been Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you, uh, you shall laugh, verse 24, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your reward. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Oh, Lord, you are so right, and I had it all wrong. My value system was all upside down. Lord, Lord, please rearrange me. Make me like Jesus. That's what the Word of God does. Now, some of you may be saying, I'm confused. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean all poor people go to heaven? Woe to you who are rich. For you have received your reward. Does that mean all rich people go to hell? No and no. A couple weeks ago, Garrett Smith was here, and he spoke on the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. The sermon here in Luke 6 is actually a different sermon, but Jesus said many of the same things in the two sermons. I'm sure he did that many times. He traveled around to different places. He didn't have, you know... MP3s on the internet then. So he went from place to place, repeated many of the same things. But it's a very similar sermon, the Sermon of the Mount. The Sermon of the Mount obviously is uh, longer. But Garrett, a couple weeks ago, said this, don't read the Sermon on the Mount like a rule book. It isn't a rule book. It's a vision of God's kingdom. Same thing here in Luke 6. It's not, it, Luke 6, it's not a rule book. 
It's a vision of God's kingdom that Jesus is using to pierce your heart and wake you up and show you that you're living in a dream world here in the United States of America. As many were living in a dream world 2,000 years ago. Don't forget that. Jesus didn't come to give a new set of rules. He came to give grace. He specifically said he didn't come to give rules or do away with any of them, but to fulfill them. The Bible says in John 1.17. I love this verse. Always keep this in mind, this verse in mind. Whatever verse you're reading in the New Testament, you need to keep this verse in mind. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come to make up new rules that were not in the Old Testament. He never did that. For example, Jesus isn't making some new rule here in Luke 6. You want to go to heaven? You better make sure you become poor. Tragically, people have done that. They've read these verses, and they've done that, and they've made a mess out of their lives. They didn't, uh, unfortunately, read the rest of the Bible. That's why we emphasize so much around here, reading chapter by chapter the whole Bible. For example, what are some other things the Bible says about the being poor? Well, the Bible says that uh, being poor is not blessed. The Bible says that in some instances, being poor is not blessed at all. Take Proverbs chapter 6. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Poverty is going to come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So in that, in, there in the Bible, we learn that there are certain times when a man or woman becomes poor because their own laziness and foolishness. In those cases, they're not blessed. They're lazy and they're foolish. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Leave him in his poverty. In like manner, there are many people in the Bible who were rich and blessed and godly. Abraham was one, Joseph, the son of Jacob, another. In the New Testament, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, Lydia and Philippi, all wealthy, godly people, blessed. They use their wealth to the glory of God. However, in that religious society that Jesus lived in, just as in our religious society today, there were these twisted, messed up ideas that if you were financially in the groove, riding that financial wave that your country happened to be in, that your country, uh, the few countries in the world happened to be in, you were blessed. If you had enough money to stuff your face with food every day and throw parties where there was lots of wine and song, frivolity and laughter, if you were popular, you were blessed. God must be blessing you. No, that's superstition. That's not truth. That's superstition. If you were poor and hungry, if your name was like mud in the public square, people didn't like you because your insistence on living by the word of God, you were cursed. That's superstition. That's why we open up our Bibles. People are in the flesh naturally superstitious people. That's why God gave us his word. Jesus comes 
right into the middle of all of this and turns it all on its head. And he says, blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. He's just making a mockery of our value system in the United States of America. We see a lot more of this, and we will in the book of Luke. Luke, Luke thinks actually a lot about the poor and their advantage. But you know, traveling back and forth from Haiti, is, as much as I have in the past five years, I've seen a whole lot of poverty, but also a lot of happiness. And even at, our, at, at the orphanage, CCF, which you guys just saw this presentation, I think, about a lot of, I think about this actually all the time. These kids are so ridiculously happy all the time. And, and, and they have so little. They're well taken care of, but they have very little. They don't even have a mother or father. But they're so happy. Then I come to the United States, and I see the kids in the United States, and the kids have satellite dishes in their homes, a hundred different video games to choose from, two or three pairs of Nike shoes. And I'm talking about the projects. I was just in the projects this week, praying in the middle of the projects on the North Shore. In the middle of the projects, and there's these satellite dishes behind every house. And they're not happy, these kids. There's a darkness there. Should we be surprised? It's not like we weren't told specifically by Jesus about this. The answer's right here in Luke chapter 6. No, no, you're blessed if you're poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. The poor have nowhere to look but to God. Listen, brothers and sisters, that's a great place to be. Where, where your relationship with God has not at all been burdened down by and distracted by all kinds of stuff. If you were with us last summer in the book of James, you may remember this verse. It's a similar verse. This is actually, Jesus is just, he's not doing, teaching something unusual here. James 1.9 says, let the lowly, the poor brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. The Bible says this. The teaching from the Word of God. Now, a couple qualifiers here. When Jesus says, blessed are you poor, he's referring to the working poor, people who live paycheck to paycheck, not the starving poor. Now, how do I know that? doesn't say that right there in Luke chapter 6. That's why we read the Bible, the whole Bible. Psalm 37, 25 says this. It says, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. He's not talking about beggars. Blessed are you who are begging and starving. Not talking about that. He's talking about the working poor, those who go from paycheck to paycheck. Bible never says that it's a blessed place to, 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 to be in to have, when you have nothing to, eat, uh, nothing to eat. But when you're in a place where you have no possessions, no, uh, uh, no you know, salary beyond sort of your needs, no gimmicks to cling to, all you have to look to is the living God. You're blessed. 
You have to believe that. That's a blessed place to be in. We have to get that into our thick Americanized skulls. Now, just as important, actually a far more important point, Jesus is not saying, he's nowhere near saying that apart from a relationship with God, that the poor are blessed. In fact, he's saying something here that many people in the world would call incredibly narrow-minded. He is saying that there is no blessedness in being poor or being rich or whatever kind, whatever kind of condition you are in apart from a saving relationship with him, with Jesus Christ, not with Buddha, not with Confucius, not with Mary, the mother of Jesus, not with human philosophy, not with Mohammed, with Jesus Christ alone, the blessedness lies. How do I know that? Actually, that's right here in Luke chapter 6. Look at verse 22. Blessed are you, Luke 6, 22, let's read it together. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and cast your name Cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Jesus is saying here, there's no blessing, no blessing apart from a relationship with me. Apart from a relationship with me that is characterized by love and devotion that the world will mock, that the world will hate, that the world will revile. There's no blessedness apart from that, poor, rich, or whatever. In fact, the whole message of these verses here, the whole message that he's giving is, is about the relationship with him. He wants nothing in the way of a relationship with him, including your things, your stuff, so much, more, uh, so, much so that he's telling us, he's saying, I value my relationship with you so much, I just assume you be poor, that you live paycheck to paycheck. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. Where else would you get this other than the Bible? Where else would you get this message than the Bible? I'm so thankful there's a place to go, God's Word, where I know that I'm not going to be lied to. Don't you sometimes just want to go speak to someone, anyone who's just going to tell you the truth? Just give me the truth, please, someone. We got it. We got it here. A place where there's someone who's finally just going to be brutally honest with me. Steve, don't kid yourself. Blessed are the poor. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They see it. They get it. They get it. I love this message from Jesus. Listen, it, 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 yes, it first breaks me down, but only to build me up. The Marines, the American Marines, thought they invented that. No, Jesus, that's his method. They borrowed it from Jesus, from the Word of God. And listen, if you read these messages, or if you're listening right now and, and you've been thrown into some kind of self-condemnation, man, you get it all wrong. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for building up, that it may impart grace to your hearers, and no one did that better than Jesus, imparting grace in 
everything he says. Remember what the Bible says? The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He always speaks grace. He's doing it here for the purpose of eventually building us up. And, and, and I love the message here. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, don't be discouraged. The Lord has you in a wonderful, blessed place, no matter what America is telling you. There's no better place to be. However, if the Lord has blessed you with things, if the Lord has blessed you with material things, you better make sure that you have not substituted my relationship with you with that stuff. And before you get that bigger place, before you get that better model car, that toy, just make sure it's what God wants you to do. There's free, there is freedom there. But, you know, my kids sometimes say, can I do this? Can I get that? Can I, can I go over there? Can I do this? Just make sure it's what the Lord wants you to do. I love the freedom of Christ. I love the, a really expensive, fancy meal with my wife uh, from time to time. I, I love driving around every once in a while in, you know, in a nice car. When I, when I actually, when I go down to Haiti... I stop off in Miami for a day because my father lives there, and, and I always take one of my kids with me, and I've just made it a habit to always get some little hot rod rental car. <laughs> so, you know, my daughter's got their sunglasses, and their hair's blowing in the wings, and it's always a convertible, you know, and it just blesses them. And I just praise the Lord. If Christians are going to look at me and criticize me, I'm just going to say, hey, they criticized Mary when she broke the bottle of $20,000 perfume and poured it out on the Lord, too. It's about grace. But I better, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We read in Isaiah about the trembling at God's word. I better be bringing these things, these decisions to the Lord. Not abusing grace, not abusing my freedom. The life in Christ is radical. There is just no escaping that fact. It's radical. Many of us just don't like that word. Don't tell me I have to be radical. It's written into every word of the Bible. It's a radical life, but it's a blessed life. I read this past week, you know, the, the, the Bible tells us that as we follow him, we can be absurdly happy. We'll find ourselves and an absurd amount of troubles as well as we're living out that faith. It causes distress and distraction and all kinds of other stuff, but, but God, he's our father. He wants us to be happy, never at the expense of whether or not we obey his word, but he's our father. 
gives them a smile to make us happy. But the happiness is in the relationship with him. That's where all happiness flows out of. You better Americans or Americanized people, all of you in here are at least been a little Americanized. You better be putting your American stuff up on the altar every day. Or after a while, it's going to start tasting awfully miserable. But if you do, if you just go to the altar every day, Lord, here's my life. Take whatever you want from my life or add to it. Oh, man, is it going to taste sweet. It's going to taste really sweet. Okay, so we'll close there. We'll pick up in verse 27 next week. Jesus gets far more radical. (laughs) You can do your homework and read ahead. The worship team could come up. We're going to have some prayer folks in the corners. If you'd like to just pray during the closing worship song or after, I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear this word, this kind of word, and I just want to, I just want to get before the Father or, or get with a brother or sister and pray with them. So if you want to pray during this closing message, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you never opened up your heart and said, Jesus, I want, to, I want you to come in. This would be a good time to do that just during this closing song. Why don't you rise for a... Uh, the closing worship song. Tonight, we have a communion service. It's a time of sharing where people share their testimonies and they share their gifts uh, with the body of Christ here. It's always a wonderful time that's going to be tonight. Now, that's at the regular time at 6.30. So God bless you.